what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of greg talks i am here as your host greg and with me as always is my co-host aaron jones and today we will be reviewing nagi no asukara without spoiling anything so first we're gonna talk about just the general story and synopsis so the story kind of follows with this uh so there are basically kids that live in this underwater town called shio shishio and it has like a rich um culture surrounding it um and it involves a faith that is um heavily surrounded by a sea god of some sort that gets talked about in the show quite a bit and these four characters have to uh, go up to the surface because their school, Nami Junior High, underwater closed and it merged with Hami Junior High. So these uh, four characters are named Hikari, uh, Chisaki, Monica, and Kaname. And when they get to the surface, they meet Susugumu, who is the uh, pretty much the only main, main human character that uh, sticks around from the beginning of the show to the end. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the story. Uh, Aaron, if you have anything to add. Um, I just, this is definitely a coming of age anime. And one of the cool parts about this, if anyone decides to watch it, is that this anime primarily revolves around four people. But there are about seven to eight characters depending on how you look at it that this anime portrays and yep. follows and i think it's so cool how you're able to delve into these relationships and the bonds that these people have and grow and just see how they're all able to mature exactly and uh speaking of characters we're going to talk about the first character that we see in the show and his name is hikari so hikari for most of the show is a hothead type of a uh protagonist he has a crush on one of the characters throughout the entire show and that's actually a main story plot point for his development as the story continues um other than that uh his family uh he has an older sister named Akari, um, who has a job on the surface at like a food mart kind of a place. And then his father is the chief priestess of, no, not priestess, the chief priest of Shio Shishio, and his name is Sakishima. And he is also the leader of the Young Men's Coalition Under the Sea. And Aaron, if you want to touch on anything uh, else about Hikari as a character? Um, you know, he's about 5'4", I believe. Like yeah, he's not too tall. Like <laughs> mm. I just feel so bad for him throughout the entire series because these male stereotypes, you know, like being short necessarily isn't the best. And all these other male characters are like taller than him. Not by much, but... Not by much, yeah, since they're all in middle school and they still have mm -hmm. to grow and everything like that. But I just feel bad for him, because he's, like, almost the same height as the girls. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Hikari. Uh, moving on to the next uh, main protagonist, 
Uh, her name is Monica. Uh, Monica, unlike Hikari, at least for half of the series, is pretty timid, um, pretty shy a lot of the time. She does have um, moments where she steps up and she tells everyone how she's feeling in certain scenarios. Uh, but for the most part, um, she definitely is a bit of a crybaby for quite a bit of the show. Um, and for me, at least, that's one of um, my annoyances with the show is the fact that she does cry quite a bit. But it falls in line with um, her always needing to be protected by Hikari and um, always needing somebody to stand up for her. And that, and that does play a lot into her character arc for about half of the show as she kind of gains independence from her friends and gains confidence in herself to do the things that she wants to do. Uh, Monica, as far as family, uh, we don't really see um, anybody in her family except for her parents in the show. And for the most part, you can say that... Um, her friends, Kaname, Chisaki, and Hikari are essentially her extended family to a degree. And also when they meet Sugamu um, at the beginning of the series, um, Sugamu also kind of uh, becomes Monica's um, family as well. There's not much I can say about her that you haven't already spoken of without revealing anything else. Mm -hmm. I would say that her development in this anime is so wholesome to watch. Like, it just starts off from, like, ground zero. And the more episodes that you watch, the more everything starts to click into place, right? Yep. And then there's this pivotal point, and you're like, everything changes. Manaka changes completely into, like, this new person. And it's like, wow, she has really grown. And you have to, like, take a step back and then just breathe, you know? Yeah, it, um, her growth in the show definitely is probably one of the most, um, strongest, uh, when it comes down to, like, character development. The only other character that I would say rivals that is, uh, Chisaki. So, Chisaki, uh, for, at least from the beginning of the show, was pretty much the independent sister of the group um the older sister in at that because she was the one that kind of always um was keeping tabs on monica as well as hikari as far as their well-being went and she pretty much was adamant about making sure that the group um stayed together and she was trying to make sure that they all did things together and bonded more importantly um, she does, as well, have a crush throughout the entirety of the show that is a main focal point in her character development. I can't say much, of course, without spoiling, um, but Sugamu is heavily involved um, in this dynamic as well as far as her love triangle goes. And as far as her family, she has... Two parents, just like Monica, but of course, uh, they don't play a huge role in the story at all, except being there for occasional parental support. Uh, and that's about it for Chisaki. All right. So, Chisaki.
Loki is one of those characters that you either like or you dislike. You either like her because of her protective instincts and her care for others, or you dislike her because she doesn't really state her own opinions until like later on. And it just becomes so frustrating because you're hanging on to the edge of your seat and you know that something's bound to happen, but you don't know which way it's going to turn because there are so many different ways that she just doesn't live up to expectations. I know most people won't get that unless you've seen the anime, but it's just she's just one of those like tear clenching characters. Yeah, she definitely does hit the emotional um, core in a, like a lot of scenes. And you know, when I was um, talking about Monica earlier and saying that she was a bit of a crybaby, well, Chisaki does cry quite a bit. I would even say more over the course of the show than Monica does. Which um, also is a little annoying because like my co-host Aaron was stating, um, she does deny her feelings a lot of times for her crushes throughout the show. And it definitely kind of feels like they're dragging out her plot point um, a little bit for the sake of the love triangle. But I digress. Uh, Moving on to the next uh, character, the next protagonist... uh, his name is Kaname. So I don't really like Kaname at all, mainly because he's probably one of the only protagonists that doesn't impact the story at all. I think he is the only one that doesn't really impact the story, who's a main character. Um, he has a crush on one of the other main characters. However, it doesn't get mentioned until the halfway point of the show, and it does feel like it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, And Kaname also is pretty... uh, I'm not going to say shy, he just doesn't say a whole lot. He keeps to himself a lot of the time, much like the character uh, Tsugumu. But, yeah, um, his family doesn't really get shown at all. I don't think, and he is mainly there to offer emotional support to the rest of the main characters in the group, but other than that, um, doesn't do a whole lot. I almost completely agree. He's one of those characters, I feel, that are plot pushers, so if something is lagging behind, he'll do something, and the outcome will be in favor of the Moors specialized mm-hmm. protagonist, you know? Definitely. And his whole character, like I just feel like he's too young to be in this because he's this growing boy and he wants to put on a really mature facade, but he's a kid, okay? He's like 14 years old. He still has time to grow. He really needs to just be himself and not worry about like not being who what other people want or maybe it's more along the lines of not trying to become someone that he isn't yeah i yeah i think it's more of that because um kaname never lets other people influence his feelings about anything uh one thing i do respect about him is he's pretty straightforward with his feelings um 
in the show. And that's the one thing I can say he did do that the other characters did not. However, there was a lot of times where he regressed back into immaturity and would just beat around the bush, just like all the other characters did at a certain point. And that's where I think he kind of became pointless to the story at that point and became less of a plot pusher and more of a waste of time. <laughs> so. That's harsh. It is a little harsh, but when you guys watch the show, you understand what I'm talking about, like, as far as its relevance is. <laughs> so, um, the last main character in the show is Sugamu. Uh, no. What, did I pronounce his name wrong? Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce his name? Sumugu. Sumugu. Okay, so Sugamu is the character that the um, C main characters, which are Hikari, Chisaki, Kaname, and Monica, meet when they go to the surface. Uh, he attends Hami uh, Junior High, and he has uh, a grandfather uh, in the show who he works with and does like a lot of uh, sea work and fishing work with uh, because. Sumugu loves the sea, which is why he takes an affinity towards Monica, Hikari, Kaname, and Chisaki so much. Uh, Sugamu um, first meets Monica um, as far as the main cast goes, and then he meets the, the rest of them. Uh, there is some jealousy that goes on between Sugamu, sorry, Sumugu and Hikari. Um, at the start of the show, but that gradually kind of um, goes away over time, and he kind of becomes like a part of the family. So, oh yeah, and also uh, Sumagu's parents I can't really mention because that's an important piece to his character development that um, ties into the love triangle stuff later on. So. feel like he's the type of person that you're able to just talk to and he'll be straight up with you while still keeping it like comedic you know yes his character design is very handsome i believe that he's one of the most handsome characters there uh, yeah i would say so <laughs> and the way he just integrates into this group even with the segregation that's going on and everything like that it just clicks. And I like how this whole, like, the shonen theme, it really works with both him. Well, let me let me shut up. <laughs> but yeah. it does click with the group, and they become a family. And I just like how these people have integrated into, like, this whole big group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that Sumugu has some of the most comedic moments as well. Because whenever um, he's in a scene with another one of the main characters, he usually takes one of two roles. He's the person to tell you the truth, or he's the person that keeps his mouth shut and lets you just spew your feelings out. And you have to respect that. You know, he's really like a true friend because, I mean, 
like a lot of the other characters like blurt out stuff just to instigate something and granted hikari um doesn't do this as much as like uh monica chisaki and kaname do but still they don't do a great job at keeping stuff to themselves i mean it it they just kind of say it and then drama happens but at the same time it moves the plot forward so i mean it makes sense uh the next character um uh, we're going to talk about is akari and that is hikari's older sister so akari's arc in the show um heavily revolves around um her love for a character on the surface and since she is an adult or I'm not sure if she's an adult quite, but I know she's like of older age. Um, her story it takes a more mature approach about what one is willing to give up for love. That is kind of her whole um, character arc. And you'll see throughout the show as they explain a little bit about how the society of the sea people and the land people um, clash. Um it greatly affects her relationship with Hikari and her father, but also with her relationship with um, the person on land and his daughter. So that's as much as I can say about Akari. But other than that, um, you know, Hikari is her younger sister and she's also the daughter of Saka Shima, who is the chief priestess of Shio Shishio, and she works at Sayu's Mart, I believe, which is on land. Yep. Greg, you summarized her character perfectly. She is one of the most mature characters in this whole anime. Of course, because more than 75% of these characters are middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. But the things that she does... For both Hikari and herself, it's just instant respect. She is yeah. one of the most wholesome characters ever, and she is my favorite character in this whole anime. Yeah, she's definitely one of mine, um, just because, and I think it's um, due to the fact that we're older um, watching this now, because I know back when I was younger, I, I of course, identified more with um, the middle schoolers. Um, because of the crushes and stuff they were going through. But looking at it from an adult perspective, uh, she did a lot of the right things for herself and for her family, I think. So, yeah, Akari's definitely a great character. Uh, but moving on to her father, Sasakashima, who is the chief priestess of Shio Shishio, um, he definitely is um, a bit stubborn, at first, as there is a bit of um, tension between the sea people and land people, it's not even really tension. There's basically racism um, between the land people and the sea people. But the father kind of like takes the approach of he doesn't want to get too into it, but he also doesn't take a stance against it. Uh, so he kind of falls in line with resisting um, sea people and land people getting along more than he does for the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, he definitely um, has been there for Akari and Hikari throughout their life. 
as uh, they went through a tragedy and, you know, he kind of had to step up in his parental job duties to make sure that they were being raised correctly. So there is like a lot of respect for him in that regard. But he also helps to run the village with Uroko, who is um, uh, a scale of the sea god, uh, which you find out at the very beginning of the show. And uh, he does his best to kind of like keep the peace amongst the um, the citizens uh, in the village and the land people as well. And he does eventually come around to um, Hikari and Akari's wishes uh, by the middle point of the show. He's not a bad guy. He loves his family and he just wants to do right for his village. And I can respect that. I personally, I love his character design because... He doesn't have wide eyes. He's not, he doesn't have like that perfect chiseled chin or anything like that. He's just a regular guy that you would see in day-to-day life. And I feel like Hikari and Kaname and all those characters, they look pretty much the same, except for their hair. So it's, yeah. in regards to that, it's just, his character design is probably like one of the most natural ones. And I like it because it, Reminds me that all these characters aren't the same. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good thing um, that we can definitely touch on and will touch on in uh, the animation portion of this. But the next character uh, I'm going to get into is Miyuna. Now, Miyuna um, is a character that isn't important at first um, in the first half of the show but gradually becomes more important to the main protagonist in the second half. Um, She is the daughter of uh, Itaru, who runs the Sayu Mart on land. And she and Sayu, who is her friend, um, and at this time they're like much younger than the main protagonist, so they're like in elementary school essentially for uh, the first half of the show. And they are a bit of a, an annoyance to Hikari and uh, his friends as there is some drama going on with Miyuna and Akari and her dad. So you can kind of piece together what I mean by that um, by watching the show. Yeah, but there isn't like a whole lot to her at first. But later on, um, she not only becomes a friend of the main protagonist, but she's also integral to bringing them closer together. And that's all I will say. That was perfect. All I want to say about Muna is that she is adorable, and I really feel for her with her past and everything, but she does get a happy ending. And yes, it does get worse before it gets better. And now I'll shut up. Definitely. Uh, moving on to Sayu. Sayu is the friend of Mihuna, and I didn't really like Sayu in the first half uh, due to her being very annoying and more of just a bother to the main characters. As she would just come in and say rude things to them about their feelings, or she would just annoy them just so she could like get in Miyuna's good graces, even though Miyuna didn't want her to take certain things to that extreme and so for the first half she is just very much um, a bother to to everyone but 
in the second half of the show, she matures a little bit, and her relationship with one of the characters um, becomes better, and she just becomes a better person overall. Um, other than that, there's not much else to her, but um, like I said, she's just an okay character to me, um, just because her importance, kind of similar to Kaname, um, isn't really that relevant, except to a character I mentioned prior, so that's it. <laughs> to piggyback off your opinion, though. She's only nine in the first half, and she's growing into herself. Like she needs to focus on who she wants to be and figure out where she wants to be, like with all her relationships and stuff like that. And she really reminds me of like the little sister trope, the one that's mm-hmm. really annoying and irritating. And I think that's what they wanted her to be. But as you move on further in the anime, you find that she's a little bit more. But because she isn't heavily focused on, like all the other protagonists, who are 14 at the first half, mind you, mm-hmm. we don't really see what she could become until like those last few episodes. Yeah, and that's um, it's really a shame because I think her character did have some more potential to grow. But due to the cast being so large at that point, uh, there was really not enough room to give her space to... Um, grow more than what she did in those last few episodes. Yeah, but overall, she's still like a decent character and way better, in my opinion, than Kaname as far as relevance. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, the only two characters that we haven't talked about are Uroko and Itari. Um, I briefly mentioned Itari um, being Miyuna's dad and having some drama with Hikari's older sister. Uh, but yeah, he um, is only really important to Hikari, Miyuna, and Akari's development and doesn't do much outside of that. And yeah, that's all I'll say about him. I just have to say, between him and another character that he's romantically involved with, there's this big time gap, age gap, between the two. And I wonder just how like, Sakishima, the father, thinks about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think we should. Really yeah, <laughs> um, just watch the show if you want to like know more about what we were discussing there. But the last character um, I will mention is Uroko. So Uroko, as I said before, is the scale of the sea god, and he kind of carries a lot of the lore and. Uh, culture of the series on his back and that's kind of what his role is his role is just to kind of be there to explain the sci-fi religious aspects of the village of Shio Shishio and how it's going to affect the land and that essentially carries over as a motif into the second half of the show even more heavily as it's integral to the main characters coming together, as well as the land and the sea people in general. Uh, but that's all I can say about him without uh, spoiling the story. He's actually pretty funny to me. I feel like he's the grandfatherly type of character, even though he looks super young, that like has a bunch of jokes 
but he feels like a jerk at first glance. Mm-hmm. He has a heart somewhere deep down in the side. You just have to look for it. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of the show, he does come across as a bit deadpan to me, like he doesn't have a soul or personality um, until the very end of the show. But I understand that's the role his character plays, and he's technically um, not supposed to have a personality because he is a descendant of a god. So he's kind of supposed to act like he's um, a god in that sense where he can't show bias towards anything. He just has to say um, things as they are. So, yeah. So that's all the characters um, without going into too much detail story-wise. But now we're just going to talk a little bit about, like, the animation and whether or not we like the animation and the environment Uh, that the show takes place in. So for me, the animation was pretty darn good as far as the environment goes. Um, The actual ocean was very well... No. Very (laughs) animated, very good. And um, every time they show, like, the beachfront or um, the the townhouses... Um, it's all really realistically drawn and it's pretty accurate as, um, I've seen other people, um, who actually are from that environment or have grown up on the sea, like other videos that I've talked about this show, that they drew them pretty well. And they gave that sense of like the ocean and the waves and all that, um, pretty well as far as the atmosphere goes. Uh, the characters, um, as my co-host Aaron mentioned before, um, do look a little samey, but you get used to the art style like over time. You know, they have those big eyes and, and the small mouths, which is kind of a staple in anime. So, I mean, that shouldn't bother um, people too much if you are planning to watch this. But that's not really the highlight. Like, to me, the highlight is the, the ocean and the underwater scenes. Um, which is uh, what you're going to be looking at for at least a majority of the series. And then in the second half, it takes place more up top, but still the ocean looks way better and and it's probably the best animated thing in the show. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's my take on the animation. I mean, it makes sense that the whole ocean is the best animated part, which I agree with. Because it's like the whole motif of the whole show, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Greg and I were discussing earlier that the ocean symbolizes change, because the tide and the stream is are never the same, and that really resonates with me on a level, because throughout this anime, people grow, relationships mature, bonds break, and then they are forged. Like nothing stays the same. Which yeah. Is kind of ironic. Which you'll find out a little bit later. Yeah. Anyway. But um, Aaron, how did you like feel about like the um, like the animation as a whole besides the ocean? I just thought it was kind of stagnant. Hmm. I was definitely in there for the plot and the romance, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um. That's understandable. Like, I, like to me, I think the animation was at its best, like when they focused on the atmosphere 
of certain scenes. Like um, when certain tensions were high, like the way the lighting was and uh, the way certain things were moving around the characters really emphasized the way that they were feeling. So I think also the art and animation um, really helped with that kind of stuff in the show, too. Uh, I'm really biased. I've been watching Boku no Hero Academia and Shingeki no Kyojin, which is Attack on Titan. And all mm-hmm. of that is action stuff, you know? So everything mm-hmm. is put together with the motions of the characters and the dynamics and the personality. It just hits you hard, you know? Yeah, I know. If anybody has ever watched Vinland Saga? Like, it's more than just the atmosphere that calls to you. And with this anime, it, it just didn't really hit the dynamics at all for me. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just because I've been watching a lot of action anime. And I think that's, like, um, another topic that um, me and Aaron are going to discuss, like, in a later episode where um, do dynamics matter as much in anime that aren't action-oriented? But that's, like, another topic for another episode. But, um, yeah, that's going to sum up the animation part of this. Um, lastly, we just want to talk about if you should watch the show. So, to me, if you are a romance buff, and if you are sensitive to drama, and if you like um, a good development story of people um, coming together... Um, through the power of love, then I think you will heavily like this show. Um, it's not like a super um, lovey-dovey type of thing. I the, A lot of the romance in this show is very natural and grows naturally over the course of time, and they approach it in a very adult and mature way that I think even if you are an adult, you can still appreciate a lot of the things that they touch on. Definitely, if you're a romance buff or anything like a rose-tinted view, this anime is for you. If you're you're more of a thriller thriller person person or a psychological psychological person, person, this is something you would watch watch while doing the laundry. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um... No lie, though, I mean, this is something that will definitely bore you if you're looking for a lot of intense action or a lot of strategy or psychological thinking because um, there isn't any of that in this show. This show is strictly just romance, atmosphere, and drama. Those are the biggest genres that are touched upon in this show, and... The reason also, even if you are an action guy or a psychological um, girl, like speaking from my experience, I love psychological stuff the most. Like that is my favorite genre of anime. But I think even if you are on that vein of things, there are certain moments where um, the characters are having mental breakdowns and there are certain mental crises that go on that you might appreciate if you do like to break down the mental psyches of what characters are thinking at certain moments. Because this series does surprisingly get kind of deep at certain moments. So that's just a little tidbit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For all you uh, psychological people out there. But yeah, if you're an action person, yeah, I wouldn't... This might not be for you. Yeah. But um, 
overall, um, I'm not going to like rate this series or anything like that, but um, I do think that this show um, definitely stands out as one of the more unique shows of its kind, uh, not only because it's um, written by the same person that wrote Anohana, if you guys have seen that show, um, but just in its approach to relationships and the whole idea of change and how when you're growing up, um, if things don't change, it's fine. But if things do change, that that's okay, too. And that's just kind of a part of life as you getting used to those things and adapting to them. So I think in that regard, I think this anime does stand the test of time. Stand the test of time <laughs> as being a, um, a great show. I liked it up until a certain point. I liked how change is really emphasized in this, and it just hits a point home that you should adjust to it, adapt to it, you know, make change feel welcome in your life. And if you need a reminder of that, then maybe this is the anime for you. But I wouldn't recommend it for people that like dynamics because it's just not that type of thing you know yeah and that's cool and with that we uh will end this review uh thank you all for listening to our thoughts and discussion on Naki no Asukara we hope that you will go and watch it if this gave you any interest in the series whatsoever and uh, we will back. Well, we will be back next week with uh, another topic, uh, non-anime related. So stay tuned for that. And uh, once again, we hope you all are continuing to stay safe out there with the uh, COVID crisis. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. See ya.